Father God, Lord, I want to thank you uh, for the CME workshop, Lord. The, every lesson that I've been to has been amazing, Lord. I know you've been, uh, you've been speaking through the speakers, Lord. I pray that today uh, your word can be communicated clearly, Lord. Your, your hopes and dreams can set into the hearts of these young people and some old people that are here visiting, Lord, that uh, when we go back to our jobs, our campuses, our families, our homes, our cities, that we can set the world on fire for you, Lord. I pray for this lesson that you can help me just communicate your word. And uh, Lord, I love you. I thank you. Uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so uh, I feel like for the last few years, um, you know, like sometimes actors, they get typecast. Like they're just the same role over and over and over again. And like with someone like, like, like a Nicolas Cage, he's like the same actor, Christopher Walken, the same actor and everything that they do. But I feel with like with everything that's happened in my life and especially over the last years with things with my sister, I feel like I constantly like find myself doing a lesson on perseverance. And like Robert said and Janice said last night, when you're in it and when you look back, it just, there's no way to say that it's great, but then you come to find a, a, a gratification or a gratitude and thanking God that he brought you through it. So today what we're going to be talking about is perseverance and reviving my pers uh, perseverance. And so yesterday I got to talk about faith, and so many people have talked about faith. But what happens when you feel like your faith is running out, you've been knocked around by the world, what should you do? In Hebrews 12.1, it says this, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So this morning, uh, Ben Mullins has been in Germany. So when people go to the airport, I live like two minutes from the airport. If you don't know that, I live right there. And so I get to drop people off for the airport. I've dropped off Chandler before. They let me drive their vehicles because our vehicles aren't very good. And so this morning I got in, we needed to leave Ben's car because he's coming back. And when I listen to the radio, especially when I'm by myself, the radio is super loud. It's as loud as it'll go. And so not like really remembering that my radio was loud, I started up my car this morning, and this is the song that I heard. This is the words that I heard. Who's heard this song? Like, oh, no one's everyone, right? Okay, so I hear that song. So I'm literally, I don't even move my car. I'm supposed to be getting coffee with Brent, and I'm literally like at the top of my lungs, because this is like, when I was like a kid. And so this was like the, one of the big songs. You know, every year there's a song that's really big. So I'm, like, I'm getting knocked down and I'm singing this song. And then I got to back up my car and I hit my van. <laughs> I was right next to it. And I was like, oh, so I hit it, not hard, but there's like a little scuff in it. And I'm like, oh man, all right. I'm not gonna let this keep me down. I'm gonna get knocked down. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna tell Marie about this later. And then the very next song comes on and here's the next song that comes on. Maybe. If not, I'm going to have to sing it, and that's bad. No, this is bad news. Hold on. Alright, so I hear this song about getting knocked down, get up again, and then the next song is signs, signs everywhere. There's signs, and I'm singing a class. I'm getting knocked down again, and I'm like, I feel like this is a sign. Today... God is with me. I'm here. I may have just hit my van, but God is with me. This is what we're going to be talking about today. So endurance, running a race that is marked out for us. Um, 
It's what you need to get through hard times. You know, uh, you guys might not know this by looking at me. I'm, and I'm doing steps to get back into shape. I've started counting calories. Eventually, I'm going to start working out again. But your boy used to be in pretty good shape. Right? I used to have, like, more than one ab. And I was defined. And I wrestled. And I could run, like, 10 miles. I could just go out and run 10 miles. I got to the point where I could do 7 miles in, like, 35 minutes, which is a pretty good pace. I was pretty fast. And um, you don't, like go into a wrestling match and then like get into shape, right? You've got to start well before the fight begins. And too many times we get into this situation where it's like, well, here I am. And you haven't done and prepared yourself. Because to be honest, we haven't been created to be knocked down by life, right? We weren't created for that. The storms are going to come, right? We weren't created to feel down and depressed. We were created to walk with the Father, to find joy in Him. All right, but doesn't it feel like that sometimes? Like, I know just from my ministry and then hearing from some people from other ministries, through the way you're raised, your parents' relationship, abuse, neglect, physical, emotional, sexual abuse, decisions that you brought on yourself, that you just feel like a pinball. And that's just all you're good for, to be knocked around. But I can tell you confidently that that's not what we were created for. God did not create us to, to be like that. And you just look at the suicide rate nowadays. I mean, you're hearing people like elementary school kids taking their life. And that's not the design that God had for us. Those are people, and I'm not saying the little kids, that's, that's a whole different thing. But we become a people that haven't conditioned ourselves to walk with God and to withstand the storms. You know, for wrestling guys, I was never, I can never think of a time that I was outshaped in a wrestling match. There was never a time that conditioning cost me a match because between matches, I was running, I was lifting, I was running some more, at practice, I was making the most of every single opportunity. When it came time to wrestle live, I wasn't taking those off. I knew that the enemy that stood across from me in the mat was trying to take everything that I've worked for. He was trying to embarrass me in front of my friends and my family and my team and my coaches. And that's what Satan is trying to do to you. He's trying to take everything from you. He's trying to take everything good that God has done to you and for you, and he's trying to twist it into something that it's not. So when I started off running, right, the first time, I, my freshman year, and I had never done anything. I've never wrestled before freshman year. I remember like the thought of running a mile. It seemed like a thousand miles. I was like, oh, I've got to run a mile. And then eventually, like I said, I got to the point where I could run like 10 miles or more. I've never tried to do more, but I practiced it. Here's the 10-mile loop. Go run it. Okay, and I would go run it. But the first time I had to cut weight, I had to run for 20 minutes straight. And if you haven't eaten and stuff, it, it becomes hard. I wasn't being fed. I wasn't nutritionally where I should have been, and I thought it was forever. See, life gets harder and harder. As you pile on more responsibility, more commitment, there's more chances for just the bad stuff to happen to you, right? For the devil to strike. And that's not said to scare you. It's really not. It's more of a warning from a friend that as you get older, the opportunity for, for the devil to work its way in, it grows exponentially. See, for me, uh, even in a loving 
relationship with God, having a wife and two kids, a wonderful church family, the opportunity to be a part of a wonderful church plant that's trying to reach St. Louis and then getting to see what Winsville's doing and hear what Tulsa and all the other places and then hearing about Collinsville is the blessings along the way. But as there's more here on earth, you feel like there's more to lose, right? And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. So people think sometimes that shape just happens, that having endurance and having perseverance just happens. I'm a part of this group. If they've had success, I'm going to have success. You know, my high school, right after I graduated, we got some, like, really stud wrestlers come in, like nationally ranked kids, and they were good, and they, they worked hard for it. But over time, as they started, I think they had, like, a six-year period where they placed in the top three at state. After a while, the kids that started coming in thought, well, I'm going to be good because they're good, and they stopped doing the work for it. You see, guys, we've had some success in our ministries. Praise God, and that's from God. But we have a crop of kids come in, and, well, if they had success, I'm going to have success, that entitlement to someone else's success. We think if the team has had it, we'll have it. We think if the coach or our ministers have had success, that we're automatically, by osmosis, going to have success, and that's not what happens. That's faulty logic. So when is the time to increase our endurance, our perseverance, and our shape, now is the time. You can't wait until hard times to, to cram it all in. This year, we had two wrestlers. They were ranked like either first or second all year in their weight class. But as a coaching staff, we were really nervous about these guys because they didn't work hard in practice. Um, they did, the news crew came in and did a little interview on these guys. And one of the kids said, <laughs> he said, it's like a week before districts. He said, you know, I feel really good about state because I've been running really hard the last two weeks. And as a coaching staff, like back in the coaching office, <laughs> did you hear what he said? Well, I've been running really hard the last two weeks with a guy that beat him in the finals. had been working hard all year. So you can't wait until it's crunch time to get into shape. You've got to do it now. Um, someone that I look at, I was going to do the story. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen well, everyone did because it was a Geiger class, but Robert and Rita's jo uh, Joseph class, I was actually going to do my whole lesson on them because the way he persevered through his life, through everything that bad that happened to him, and it was truly stuff that he didn't bring on himself. It was like, oh, gosh, God, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Like, and then bad, bad happens. All right, I'm doing I'm living for God, and then bad happens. All right? I was going to do my whole lesson on that, and I found out the other night that Robert and Rita were doing it, so I'm like, Robert's like, you'll be fine. And I'm like, you know, I really want these kids to get like a good lesson, so I switched it. And so one of my, probably my favorite Old Testament book, I love the book of Joshua. I just love it. From the beginning to the end, what Joshua did and how he loved and how he persevered through the wilderness and with Moses and then the battles. I was like, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about Joshua. So Joshua faced peer pressure, right? Um, he would not have entered the promised land without perseverance, you look at when the spies went out, 10 were bad and two were good, right? Those aren't great odds. Like when you feel like you're outnumbered like that, like you've got to have perseverance that starts before that moment. If not, you cave and you compromise, right? And then on college campuses, do you think the odds are 10 to two? Do you think the odds of, for people for God versus the people that are against God are 10 to two? The odds are much, much greater probably more like 100 to 1, 500 to 1, depending on your campuses, 1,000 to 1. 
against people who are truly trying to follow God, that are true disciples, that aren't perfect, but they're surrendered to the will of Christ? Is that unreasonable? A thousand to one? Some places, maybe not. And so we've got to have perseverance and endurance and strength now so when we go to our campuses and the odds are greater than the 10 to 2 that we can withstand the peer pressure and stand strong for God. You know, he had the peer pressure the spying it out, right? Leading the nation to the promised land. Right? Or into the promised land and into battle. Right? That's a great responsibility. Look at our presidents. When they go into office, look at their portrait. Look at their picture. Right? Much darker colored hair. By the time they come out from four or eight years, they look like they've aged 40 years, some of them. It's crazy because the amount of stress, the amount of responsibility, and the workload that they take on is unreal. And that's the kind of stress that Joshua was under. And if he had waited till he became a leader to build up his perseverance, they would not have entered the promised land. They would not have conquered and had battle, uh, victory in battle. You know, I love all of my campus students, and some of them are in here. I love every single one of them. But some of the questions they ask, SMH, right? Shake my head. I just kind of, I just kind of imagine the, the things that Joshua faced. And I'm much, of, I'm leading 30 people here, 25, 30 people. He's leading the nation. I can only imagine the, the things that he had to put up with. But he had the perseverance. He had his mind right. He had his eyes fixed on the mission that was ahead. Leading God's army into battle. Not only does it have stress, but it's a constant grind. When we think of our campus ministers going out into the world where we don't have to really worry about getting killed, but he was watching friends die. He was watching the people that he did battle with die. He had to make tough decisions. So getting in shape and perseverance isn't about our ability. You see, Joshua had all the ability in the world. Saul had all the ability in the world, right? Tall guy, good looking, was head taller, was just the, the man. Everyone wanted Saul. He had ability, but his attitude was terrible. Joshua had ability, but his attitude was good, and he led his people into the promised land. So what made him was his attitude. He was constantly exercising his faith in obedience to God. So if I'm going to persevere... I've got eight things. And the reason I have eight things is because some of you may be doing good in some, so take what you can or take all of it. Take everything that you can. So if I'm going to persevere, I must first, I must commit my life to God. I must commit my life to God. Some of you here, I don't know you. You may have never committed your life to God. Some of you may have said that you committed your life to God, but you did it for the wrong reasons. You did it because someone asked you to. You did it because everyone else was doing it. You did it because it would make your parents happy. But you never truly committed your life to God. There's something that you need to know. In John 10.10, when it says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he's coming whether you're committed or not. He's going to take everything from you whether you're a Christian or not. When I think about my sister getting lupus, my sister was going to get lupus no matter if she was a disciple or she wasn't. Thank God she was in the kingdom. She was committed. When we were at the hospital, they had to make like a separate waiting room for us. During like the prime time hours, if there were less than 75 or 100 people there, I would have been shocked. It was crazy. I had like four dinners every night. 
because people were like, hey, let me bring you food, let me bring, I'm, like, I'm so stuck, please just take it to the waiting room, I can't do this. But the love that, that she felt from the moment she got sick to the moment that she passed, the thief was coming. The thief is coming for me whether or not I committed. And he's coming for each and every one of you. So it starts with your commitment to God. Know the thief is coming because the second half of that verse is, I have come to give life and life to the full. The devil's taking it all, but I'm going to give you a full life. And that doesn't always mean big house, five cars, you know, job, any of that. It's a full life in Christ. I don't make a whole lot of money. We like barely get by. But my life is as full as anyone that I know, and it's all because of God and what he's done for me, and in me, and through me, and in the people around me. God wants to give you a full life. You know, we don't have the power to say to Satan, Satan, be gone in Jesus' name. That's not how Satan works. Wouldn't it be just great if we could be like, all right, go away, Satan, I'm busy right now. That's not how Satan works. He's coming for you. You know, you're gonna, you know there's going to be times that you're going to fall. Like I said, what better place? Uh, and Romans 6 says, you know, that we do this, that we find this commitment in dying to ourselves and surrendering and baptism. It's the place that our sins are washed away, that we're added to the family, that we're clothed with Christ, that we receive his spirit. That's where it starts. And if you did it for any other reason to please God, you need to reevaluate your own commitment. And if you've lost sight of that, you need to find it. You know, in their time, in Joshua's time, Joshua 5, all the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. You see, when the people lost sight of being able to enter into the promised land, they really stopped committing themselves to God. So the new batch, they didn't know what a commitment to God was. So what did they do? You ever seen the show Chopped? Right? They had to get circumcised. And if you weren't committed to God, you weren't getting circumcised. If I'm not committing to something, you stay away from me. You get your flint knife, you take it somewhere else. Go to the next guy. But these guys were committed. And Joshua knew that. If we're going to go into battle, and if we're going to go in and do mighty things in God's name, we've all got to be committed. We've all got to be sold out to the cause. So he lined them up. And he became right with God. You see, they weren't righteous by association. And I think sometimes that when we, when we get into a campus ministry that's, that's trying to do the right things, or they are doing good things, or we get in with a church that loves God, that just by being around godly people, we can become righteous. That's not how it works. The commitment is in our hearts and to God. So we've got to commit ourselves. So what in your life has made you lose sight of your commitment or prevented you from committing in the first place? Because perseverance starts with your personal commitment to God. And I think almost every lesson has heard that. And that's why I've been praising God. I've been, the lessons have been awesome. It's talking about your commitment to God. So the first thing, I must commit my life to God. Second thing, I must cling to God's word. And this is another thing that almost every lesson has had a huge emphasis on God's word. God's word is a thing that changes you. God's word is a thing that's going to penetrate your heart and this is going to shape your character and your soul. And Joshua 1, 7 and 8, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the laws my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. 
that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you may be prosperous and successful. You see the word strong there. It comes from the Hebrew word chazak, which means to fasten upon, be obstinate, to bind, to cleave. To cleave to God. Cleave to his word. Cleave to his direction for your life. Cling to it. Hold on to it. And then in verse 9 it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. When it says do not be discouraged, why is that in there? You see, I think God knew what was coming. He knew the battle would be long. It was going to be hard. There are going to be times when he got to a place that he's like, God, I don't know what you to do. It seems like a dead end. It seems like we're going to be defeated. But he says, do not be discouraged. He knew how big the task was in front of Joshua. There are going to be battles. And when you go in to conquer a land, it's not like the people, in some cases, they just kind of gave up. But it's not like everyone's going to be like, all right, hey, take my city. I know we built this. I'm going to go. They had to fight for it. And God knew that. When God speaks, he speaks of, of someone who already knows the end of the story. God is omnipresent. He knows the past, the present, and the future. Have you ever been around someone that just is a constant like spoiler of like a movie or TV show? Is Ashley Kennedy in here? So back in the day in the campus ministry, we watched, used to watch American Idol. And that was like a group, like when it was popular. And Simon was on there. It got really bad after Simon left. I love Simon because Simon, you just knew what he was. He never had to guess. And so we had like, I think we had like 35 people in my basement. And we were like five minutes behind. And we were watching the finale. And then Ashley Kennedy like texts like everyone in there, the winner of the show. And we were like, we just watched like four months of this show. And you told us the ending. But see, with God, it's not that bad. God, we know at the end that God wins. Join the winning sign. If, if we, if, if it were like, who's, was West in here? Hey, West, you know I love you, right? Okay, all right, okay. So West is someone that runs his mouth about things and says a lot of times that he knows the ending to things, but he has no clue. No one listens to, no one listens to West on that stuff. But on the other hand, like I said, God knows the end. So when you see it and you read it, faith comes because you trust it and then you go out and do it. God knows the end. Get on the winning side of this one. He can be trusted. His words are true. Isaiah 55, 11. So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve, the purpose for which I sent it. It says that when God sends out a word, a promise, that promise doesn't come back empty. Trust it. I am God. I made the world, I made the universe, I made you, I made you, I made you, I made everything in it, I made your cars, I made your, your dog, your house, everything in this world, I made it. Trust me, because when I say a promise, I deliver on it. Cling to that. So when God says to the Israelite people, I'm going to give you every spot which you set your foot, God gave them every spot which they set their foot. When God says that you go, you mighty warrior, I'm going to be with you. 
He was with Gideon. So when we go onto our campuses, you can trust that when God said he's going to be right there with you, that God is right there with you. When you go to your jobs and he says, you know what, I know you're scared. Be strong and courageous. I am with you. Remember my words, you can do this. You can do it in Jesus' name. Cling to God's word and his promises. Everything that he says, he delivers. When did this start with Joshua? When did he start to cling to, to God's words? When Moses died? Was that the first time? Joshua 1 was the first time he had heard that? No. No. When he started to lead? Absolutely not. In Exodus 33:11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. It's one of my favorite parts in the Bible. It just paints God in just such a different way in the Old Testament. It says, Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent because he desired God's word. He desired to be close to God. He started at an early age, and godly leadership followed. It wasn't the other way around. I've been around for a while, make me a leader. I've got all these abilities, but I'm not deeply rooted in God's word. It started much younger. And when you look at a relationship with God, John Haynes said earlier, I'm four years old in the faith, right? It starts when you're a baby in the faith. You get close to God, and godly leadership always follows. I, I love Joshua. And like Robert said about uh, Joseph yesterday, I'm trying not to get my J's confused. I have a whole ma- name mishap like I did with Marley and Carla the other night. But when in scripture, Joshua is one of the few people that just doesn't say anything negative about. And it's amazing. I love his example. So first, I must commit my life to God. Second, I must cling to God's word. Third, I must choose a godly mentor. When you look at the relationship that Moses had with Joshua, when you saw Moses, you saw Joshua following, just like in the tent, right? When Moses left, Joshua was there in the tent with him. He was watching what Moses did. He was seeing how does Moses stay close to God? How is God working in Moses' life? And he could see that God returned all of Moses' promises, and he would know when he says, be strong and courageous, he would know, I can believe that because I've seen it in someone else. So me and Carrie, right, for years, for the first six years of my walk, I was in the campus ministry. And Lynn can attest to this, and Donnie, like one of the first CMUs, I did, we didn't even know what CMU really was. He goes, hey, I'm going out of this conference. I don't know what it's going to be. I met these guys at Tulsa. Why don't you come with me? Didn't give it a second thought. All right, let's get in the car. So I go down there with him, right? And I go to other things. I go to Tulsa with him. I go here. I go there. I go, I watch him. I'm asking questions. I go to zone. I'm doing all these different things with Carrie. And the whole time, I don't really feel the first time I, how I got into leadership, Carrie goes, hey, you want to go to this leadership conference? I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, hey, I want you to come to this thing. And then from there, I was in leadership. And I was like, okay, because I was never aiming for the leadership. I was aiming for a godly life. And I saw someone having that life. So I followed him around to try to learn as much as I could. And some of you guys, and I know, like all the campus ministers, have great campus ministers, men who love God, but you avoid them like the plague. They would have to pay you. There's $20. Please come hang out with me. And you'd still refuse to do it. They long to invest in you, but you've got to want it too. So I kind of compare Carrie. I guess Carrie's like as old as Moses in this one, which is awesome. <laughs> I hope he listens to this. Right? Savi so Joshua. I guess that makes Robert Jethro, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I could look at Carrie and I could say, you know what, I know he's not perfect. 
but this man loves God. In Romans 10, 14, uh, and 17. And how are they to hear it without someone preaching? So faith comes from hearing, and from hearing the word of Christ. Right? Not just anyone, but someone who knows the word of God. And I didn't take Kerry at face value, but I double-checked the things that he said. When you look into the Bible, right? Jethro and Moses, right? Moses and Joshua, Eli and Samuel, Elijah and Elisha, Jesus and his disciples, Paul, Timothy, Titus, and Barnabas. Each one of those men grew into maturity because they were following someone who was mature. How do you pick Hebrews 13, 7? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, right? Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. If you look at someone, you look at your leader, and they're always down, they're always oppressed, they're always doubting, there's one thing to be weak, right? But there's nothing to be downcast and just sad all the time, right? But if you can look at your leader and say, that person has joy, that person has purpose, that person's on a mission, that purpose exhibits the fruit of the spirits, that person's in their word, that person prays, that person reaches out, that person does this godly thing, and this God, and I could just keep going on and on. You can see that person. Follow that person. Learn from them. Everything they can. Carrie, I know he used to look, and Brian's the same. Is Brian in here? Brian's not. He's, I told him, hey, you struggle with pride. Go to teachability. But Brian, sometimes when he calls me, I'm like, oh, here he is again. But I know Brian is desiring to be close to someone that is trying their hardest to live for God. And I know Carrie would look at his phone and say, Jesus, call me again. I just, just can I have a night? Can I have a night? But he knew that I was passionate about finding someone who was trying to live for God. So I must commit my life to God, cling to his word, choose a godly mentor, and four, I must exercise caution when dealing with the enemy. Now let me tell you this, caution is not fear. Caution is not an excuse not to act. There are plenty of times in the Bible where it says that people were praying when they should have been acting, and acting when they should have been praying. So don't get it twisted here. I'm not saying don't, this is a call for inaction because that is not what I'm talking about. In chapter two of Joshua, Joshua sent spies to look over the land, particularly Jericho. Spies, where have we seen this? What can go wrong, right? Here we are, spies again, right? Um, the first time the spies, the enemy was within. And this time, the enemy were the kings of Jericho chasing the men down. And Joshua didn't lead his people. He exercised caution in dealing with the enemy because he knew the enemy was dangerous. And we've got an enemy, just like I talked about the man that stood across the mat from me, the enemy was dangerous. You can't take him for granted. He's been training, he's been watching, he's been studying how to beat you. So when the Bible says that the devil is like a lion that, that crouches and is ready to pounce and to roar and to devour you, trust that he's been watching you. He's looking for weakness. He's looking for the ways to beat you and defeat you and to kill you. So we can't just start running in and ah, like this and trying to fight, right? When I fight and wrestle with Emmett, there is no sneak attack. Even though he thinks he's being sneaky, there is no sneak attack. The kid will get from here and all of a sudden he'll go ah, like that and run after me. That's not how it is. You see, I was talking to Robert last week. We've been going over a book called Daring Faith. And I was talking to him about, um, there, was a, there was an opportunity for us to possibly buy a building. Some things really had to happen, miracles. And, 
And I was like, man, I just, I don't want to be unfaithful in this. But I really feel like this building could have been an amazing blessing for our church. And he said, there's no doubt about it. But there's a difference in daring faith and dumb faith. God doesn't want you to be stupid and to reach beyond your means to buy a building when he may have something different planned in the future. So we've got to be smart. We have to exercise caution and just know that the devil is there to kill, steal, and destroy your life. So I must commit my life to God, cling to God's word, choose a godly mentor, exercise caution when dealing with the enemy, and I must be willing to set up camp. I must be willing to set up camp. Joshua and all the Israelites set out camp after the kings were chasing them, right? For three days before they crossed the Jordan River. Sometimes the stress of our problems can wear us down. And we need to take a minute to do a few things. The first thing is we, we need to wait. You know, I have a phrase, and no one else uses it. All right, here it is. How are you supposed to walk with God if you're always running? No one else uses that. That one's mine. Mackie used that yesterday. I stole it from him. Right? We need to slow down. Walk with God. It's not always about running, but walking in the presence of the Creator. We're not to act, we're to act and not react. Right? Is a knee-jerk reaction usually a good thing? No. But God calls us to act in His name. So they waited while they were camping. They rested. Joshua camped for three days, not too long, because when we rest and we're inactive, our faith is like a muscle. And if we let it rest too long, we start to lose it. We need to exercise that faith. I can tell you that when everything was happening with my sister, I wish I would have rested more. I was so focused on the mission, and I was running myself on empty all the time. We were doing two cross chats. I had, on top of everything going on with my sister, I had a lot of family drama that was directed towards my brother-in-law that I stepped in for, and I wouldn't trade that for the world. But I wasn't taking the time to take care of myself. So the things in my ministry, and in my marriage, and in my kids, and in my church, some of that stuff got missed because I wasn't resting the way that I should have been. And I wasn't taking care of myself. And again, that's not, I don't want you to think, oh, I can sleep all the time. Because when you sleep and you're disconnected, that creates depression, a self-focus, which spends more depression. But I'm saying you need to take care of yourself. And then when they were there and camped, you know the thing that they were doing, I think the most, is they were waiting to receive further instruction. When they were there, they rested, they waited, and then they received further instruction. See, when you're worn out and stressed, you're, we're not known to make the best decisions. You start knee-jerk reactions. You start reacting instead of acting in God's name. Right? And when you often continue to make bad decisions when you're really stressed, right? Lead to further depression, further from God, more stressed out, more worn out, more defeated. It sounds like that pinball we were talking about earlier today, right? And you're getting knocked around. We need to seek outside wisdom. Someone that's half a step or a step outside the situation. Someone that you can look to like we talked about earlier. You can look at the outcome of their life and of their faith. Someone that you can trust to come at you with God's word, not just their opinion or their thoughts, or their feelings. Joshua 3, uh, we're going to look at some things. The leaders that God put in your life, and here are the officers. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. 
When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have been never been this way before. All right? There's leaders around you that are going to give you instruction. For our, for our church, it's, uh, we have small group leaders. We have Manasseh leaders. That After you take a class, so one of the cool things is, is I've taken healing as a choice and almost at any time, and probably the same thing, Janice is like, TC's calling me again. But I know she loves me, and not only does she love me, she likes me. And so she answers the phone, and I can go to her for some wisdom. Right? So God's put leaders in your life that you can look at and say, they're living for God. I'm going to call this person and get a little bit of wisdom. Sometimes you just got to talk through the crazy. Right? You got to filter through those thoughts. But I, I'm going to caution you on that. If you're only calling to talk and then you don't take action after, that is gossip. And that is not okay. Okay? So, then Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. You will, the Lord will do amazing things around you. See, you have your, your ministers. You have your Joshua, right? And then from the word of God, the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel so that they may know that I am with you just as I was with Moses or from God himself. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Right? So from your leaders, your ministers, from the word of God and from God himself. Wait, rest, receive further instructions. Seek out wisdom. Proverbs 19.20, listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end, you'll be counted among the wise. Listen to advice. Get advice. Seek it out. It's not always just going to fall into your lap, but there are people that God's put in your life for you to receive further instruction. So I must commit my life to God, cling to God's word, choose a godly mentor, exercise caution, be willing to set up camp. And I talked about this one yesterday, but I just... I've been on like an Old Testament cake, and I just feel like this. I gotta have this one in there. I must celebrate and remember God's victories. I must celebrate and remember God's victories. So celebrate. Joshua 5:10. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. They celebrated. It was by design that God said, every year you need to celebrate this. You need to remember that I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt, that I spared your children that I sent the plagues, that I parted the sea, you need to remember what I've done in your life. Some of you guys have no problem. I feel like I talk about it all the time. It's hard for me to forget. It's easy for me to take advantage of it, or, you know, and or take it for granted, sorry. But it's not easy for me to forget. But we need to be talking about it. It needs to be on your mind. What did God bring you from? Celebrate that. Because you could be stuck in the world. You could be the person that gets cancer or lupus or has a heart attack or gets your house broken into or gets abused outside of the kingdom without God in your life. Celebrate that God is in your life, that he's brought great victory in your life. And not only that, the greatest victory is still to come. And remember, 12 stones after crossing the Jordan River. He said to the Israelites in Joshua 4, 20, 21 through 24, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do those stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. And they're going to be looking at the stones. They're going to be looking at, like, that was dry. Wait, no, that was dry. Those with the stones. Like, there's no way that was dry, and they walked across it. They're going to say, those stones tell you otherwise. Right? Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. 
the Lord your God, the Lord your God, the Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea. Again, they're remembering when they remember. Right? When he dried up, dried it up just before he crossed over the Jordan, he did this so that the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Remembering. You know, I have tattoos. Every one of my tattoos means something. I got my wedding ring tattooed on here. Remember the covenant that I made before God and my family to stay faithful to my wife. We got one here. This is Lillian Holt. My wife and I had a miscarriage. We were 20 weeks in. And this was a reminder, not just what I lost, but what God gave me through that situation. He gave me a greater faith, a greater love for my wife. He let me see the, the, the group of church people that I knew cared about me they love me. And it took it a step further. Seeing people in the hospital and the little memorial that we did and people crying, people I didn't even know really hardly, some of them, crying. I remember. And on my back I've got, um, or on my bicep I've got Alpha Omega. It's my commitment to God. I got that after I got baptized. And then on my back here, right? I'm talking about running the race. I got that after my sister passed away. And every one of those, and you can see some of that's sad, some of it's good, but everything is what God had done in my life. And I want to run the race with perseverance for a crown that lasts forever. And that's what I feel like my sister did. So we've got to remember and celebrate the things that have God done. Joshua is consistently and constantly pointing back after every battle, the Lord your God gave us this day. The Lord our God gave us this. For Acts 17, for in him we live and move and have our being. We will lose the source of ultimate power if we don't remember, right? We will be worn out. Do you guys feel worn out? If you feel worn out, there's a good chance you've forgotten what God's done in your life. If you feel like just every day it's just the same old thing, you haven't remembered that God created you for a different purpose. Joshua knew this. He was only, always pointing up and not in. So I must commit my life to God. I must cling to God's word, choose a godly mentor, exercise caution, set up camp, celebrate and remember God's victory. And I must commit to continuing to listening and obey. And why do I say continuing? Because look at the Hebrew people. They would be far from God. God would send people to conquer them. They would come back to God. And then they would forget. Right? So we need to continue. Even after God's given us victory, we need to go back to continuing to do the things we did at first. Listening to God. Listening to the people that God put into our life. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Let's look at the example of Joshua in it in the book. The next thing recorded after their victory at Jericho the sin of Achan, right? Right after victory, God had given them some amazing victory. They had marched around the city, marched around, and then they shouted and all the walls fell down. Right after you see an amazing miracle, and you can say, how could they do that? Well, God's done miracles in your life. And he's marched around, and he's torn your barriers down, he's given you victory, and then the very next day, you guys can go out and do stupid things. Achan was no different. Achan took things that were supposed to be for God, he hid them, and what happened to him? He was found out, 
And you're going to be found out, whether it's in this world, because you get caught, or you confess, or before you're standing before God. You're going to be found out. Not only did he die, but the men that he were fighting battle with, they got routed. The people that you fight the battle with, if you don't continue to listen and, and obey God, the people that you march under your campuses with, they're going to be hurt. His family, it wasn't just him that got killed. His whole family was killed. And if we stop listening to God and obeying God and becoming our own God, living by our own understanding, not only do we get hurt, but the people get hurt around us. So, I must con- commit to continuing to listen. We cannot lose sight of this. Commit my life to God, cling to his word, choose a godly mentor, exercise caution, set up camp, celebrate and remember God's victories, commit to continuing to listen and obey. And the last thing, I must commence my life in anticipation. I must go out and live as if God is going to come through on his promises. If we live this doubtful and fearful life, what does that say to the people around us? Like, yeah, I guess God, God said he's going to do this, so I think he might, he's going to be with me. And oh, yeah. Go forth, you strong and mighty warrior. Live your life in anticipation of victory. Joshua and the walls of Jericho. You don't march that many I've heard estimates, I think it was Wes that told me this, that to march around the city was like 20 miles. You don't march around the city like that if you don't think the walls are going to fall down. Right? Live your life in anticipation. For those of you who went through daring faith, thank God before it happens. Be because God is going to work in your life. Joshua 6.20, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and the sound of the trumpet. When the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. I can tell you there's a stark difference between living your life to doubting God all the time. It becomes exhausting. Sometimes, all you have is the promise of God and God and who He is. It's the only thing that can get you through when I've, things were crazy with my parents, crazy with losing a baby, sometimes all I felt is I had God with me. Live your life in anticipation that God's promises are true. So let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I want to thank you for your son. I want to thank you for sending him, Lord, to live for us, to die for us, to come back from the grave so our sins could be forgiven, so we could have a new purpose and a new life here on earth, Lord. Help us to never underestimate the enemy, Lord. Help us to remember that he's always ready to steal, kill, and destroy at any moment. We must stay close to you, close to your word, Lord. Help us to stay close to people that are going to hold us accountable to live and to love like your son, Lord. I pray that as we go out into our world, Lord, that we can live in your name, that you can do amazing things through us, Lord, and help us to never lose sight that you're the one that gives us everything. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.